like sports, I could do something in sports. Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a color man. Well, you know, they tend to give those jobs to ex-ball players and people that are, you know, in broadcasting. Well, that's really not fair. Hey, what's up, everyone? This is another episode of the Boxing One Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Uh, it's been a little bit of a long layoff. I think it's been ooh, probably like four weeks since we've done an episode. Uh, life sometimes gets in the way. Uh, two of us have children, and uh, you know, it's it's been a rough, rough few weeks for myself. Azam, I think uh, you know you have what a, a five, six month old, so I'm pretty sure for you. Five and it's a half. Been, yeah, yeah. So it, it's it's not easy, but uh, thanks for joining us again. Uh, make sure you describe you subscribe to our channel on uh, YouTube. Hit the little bell so you get notifications uh, whenever we put some content out. Uh, also, uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you consume your podcast. We really appreciate that. Uh, follow us on Instagram, uh, Twitter uh, at Box in One Pod. Uh, we love to hear from you. Any ideas? Feel free to message us, or or, or just you know if you just want to want to talk. Um, reach out. Uh, I'm sure we can work something out. Um, so we, a, a little bit of a special episode today. This is only our second time having a guest. Last episode was our first one. Check that one out. Uh, Chris Walder was uh, nice enough to join us and talk a little bit Raptors. Um, so today we're joined by uh, Patrick Benson Jr., uh, who's been a contributor on Forbes, uh, currently a contributor on Sports Talk ATL, Busting Brackets, uh, The Red Zone. But most importantly, he's got a, a book that just dropped recently, um, called uh, Kobe Bryant Sneaker History, 1996 to 2020. Uh, so we're really excited to have him talk a little bit of uh, Kobe Bryant, the book, and uh, just anything else that uh, that comes up. Pat, welcome to the show. Uh, did I get everything right? Yeah, man, you nailed it. Thank you all so much for having me. Like I was explaining before we got started, I was going through researching different podcasts I wanted to reach out to and you know, listening to them beforehand to make sure I like their vibe, whether it's like sneakers or basketball or whatever. And I heard y'all, I was like, oh yeah, these are my guys. Like, so I, I hit you up on Instagram and uh, I was like, man, I really hope they consider having me on. So I'm nerding out right now. I'm excited to be here. It, it, it was pretty much instant. So we like, I, I jumped all over the opportunity. I saw it. I'm like, yeah, we got to have this guy on. And by the way, Pat, I'm going to send you the money for the nice little, uh, <laughs> n- nice little words that, that you gave us right now. Um, but yeah, we're, we're really excited to have you. And uh you know, it's you, what what you've managed to accomplish, I guess, during this uh, pandemic, which it's, it's a pretty short time. You managed to write an entire book. Um, it's, take us through that process. What's, what's that like? How did you get started? Yeah, it was like a mental marathon. It was a labor of love. Like, so, um, you know, starting from the beginning, Kobe passes away in January and it just hits me like a ton of bricks. Kobe was our guy, you know, coming up in our generation and then um, and I, the first few pages of the book, I explained my motivations for writing it. The night before Kobe and Gianna's public memorial, the only other Lakers fan I know, 20-year um, friend, passes away in a car wreck. Lose my day job, uh, uh, lose my side jobs, lose my day job finally on July 1st, first day of the fiscal year at the place I was working at. And um, my family, fiance, they encouraged me. They said, take some time, do what you want to do. Just try to figure it out. And it didn't take me long. I was like, I want this to be my tribute to Kobe. You know, if I don't write anything else ever again, like I want this to be, I want this to be able to stand alone. And so it was a mental marathon. I enjoyed it. At times it was really cathartic. You know, I was getting out, you know, all these feelings I had, but at the same time it was maddening. And, uh, you know, it definitely gave me insomnia. Like a good bit of this book was written between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. 
and uh, just thank goodness for coffee and, uh, you know, just uh, got through it somehow. And I'm really excited that the final product's here. Yeah, so uh, it, it's it's available, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's available on Amazon. Uh, anywhere else, uh, how can, how can people be, get it? Just put that out first. Yeah, it's on Amazon, Amazon Canada as well. And it should be on Barnes & Noble within the next week or so. Cool, cool. Yeah, I was actually checking it out. I'm I'm definitely gonna gonna order it. It's it's a it's a long book, right? Uh yeah, it's all right. It's like fifty thousand words. It's 147 pages. However, like it's a six by nine. So it's um, you know, if you're not a great reader like me, I think you should be able to get it done in like a week or two. I'm not like a huge voracious reader or anything, but uh it's fifty thousand words and I think it's a pretty easy read. Lots of like um interesting anecdotes and stories from people who actually knew Kobe and a lot of stuff. Yeah. I think I uncovered that people have either forgotten about or perhaps never even knew. Yeah. And, and I think you, uh, you put out a couple pages on, uh, on Twitter. I was, I was reading that and it was, it was actually really interesting just, just to, just to read some of the stuff on there. Um, like what, what was it about Kobe that, that really, that really grabbed you? Yeah, I don't know, man. I think it was a, like a breath of fresh air. Like we were saying earlier, I'm in Tennessee, Tennessee in the United States, and um, it's a conservative, football crazy area. And I was a Catholic Democrat West Coast basketball fan. And when I'm getting into basketball, here comes this rookie, this skinny kid who grew up in Italy and spent some time in Philly. And um, he's just so cocky and so self assured. I was like, all right, I got to hitch my wagon to this guy. And um, not only, I think the reason why so many people gravitated to Kobe was not just because he was an amazing generational talent, but he was a philosopher, you know, whereas Michael Jordan was famously reserved. Kobe was always like letting us in behind the curtains, behind the scenes, you know, Mamba mentality. And that taps into so much of um, what people have, like all three of, uh, you know, all, everybody on this podcast, we have some Mamba mentality in us. Otherwise, we'd be sitting on the couch right now, chilling, you know, playing 2K, but otherwise, but instead we're pushing ourselves to try to uh, um, make the most of the time we have on this planet. I think that's why I connected with him. I think that's why so many people connected with him is because he was a philosopher first and could um, really tapped into something that um, we all believe in. That You make a good point there, Pat, because last year I got a chance to read his book and I think we talked about it amongst ourselves as well. Uh, and, and, it was so, so, so incredible, right? It wasn't written like a traditional autobiography, but you can see why Kobe was, he became what he ended up being because like the level of preparation he talks about. And unlike a lot of people, when they talk about, you know, just putting the hours, like he actually gave specific examples, right? Like he broke down a couple of plays and and you start to see the genius behind it or even reading uh, the ref's manual every year just to make sure, you know, you find that those, dead zones so, so it was incredible so yeah absolutely i i agree what i want to ask is so yeah he's like he's that philosopher and like great player what why did you choose the topic that you did sneakers yeah absolutely because um i'm i'm late arriving sneakerhead like i i didn't really have the money like that like throw down on sneakers growing up you know um i would just play in whatever like there's no biggie and then finally like when I was like in my mid twenties, I had a big boy job and I was like, you know what? I'm, you know, Kobe's on his way out. I'm going to throw down on some of his shoes and man, sneakers are an addiction. Like I did not know that when I bought my first pair, but as soon as you get another pair, you're like, all right, cool. What's next. 
So I got into that. I got really into his shoes. And also, um, I just thought, you know, there's already, you know, a few Kobe biographies out there. I thought that had been covered. And I just knew what a strong relationship Kobe had with sneakerheads. Like, um, other than Michael Jordan, you know, I think he has the second most popular basketball sneaker line in the world. And um, I uh, just... I kind of thought to myself, like, I'd be furious if anybody else wrote, wrote this other than me. And so, again, like I just typed it out just so fast. Like I was waking up in the middle of the night because I had to get this out there before anybody else did, because I wanted to be the guy to do this. You know, it's, you know, uh, it's kind of crazy, but, you know, I, I'm I'm glad I did it. What, what What did it feel like when you finally saw like not only not only the fact that you finished the product, but once you saw it available on Amazon and you you realized, man, people people can actually buy this right now. What was that feeling like? Uh, it was a crazy mix of emotions, you know, um, a lot of relief. Um, still, it's still sinking in that it's available, and it's so dope seeing people buy it and seeing people give me feedback already. Like it's super exciting. And I don't know about y'all, but like I'm an instant gratification guy, and writing a book is the exact opposite of instant gratification. Like I'm used to writing articles or like a podcast, boom, 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 get some likes, retweets, and like I feel good about myself. Whereas this, you're just grinding away day after day after day after day, and nobody sees it. And so um, it was a mental marathon and it was a huge relief when I finally saw it up there. And um, I'm glad I'm seeing some positive reviews and I really just hope everybody, you know, digs it and likes it. Yep. And for Canadians, I just took a look at Amazon Canada. The paperback is $19.99 and the Kindle edition is less, is about $7.50. So if you have a Kindle, very reasonably priced. And yeah, anything cool. I found that, after he retired, the brand, I, I always felt that where you have a guy like LeBron and MJ really maximized their brands while they played. Kobe was very much an introvert in his prime years. And I think maybe about 2009, 2010, he really started coming out of his shell mm-hmm. a lot more. And like you said, he's become a, he became a philosopher. And the way that his death impacted non-basketball fans i mean i read his book which is incredible and i lent it to people who are not really basketball fans just because it's really a book about more like basketball is the context but it's really a book about motivation staying focused um giving it your all and just those little just the little steps you can take to improve yourself like whether that you don't even think of like the guy read the referee's manual and he knew the blind spots so that referees couldn't see. So he could stand in those spots and foul guys and he'd get away with it. Like that's the level of detail this guy went into. I don't know this day and age, I think other than maybe like a LeBron or a K- KD, like maybe the top guys um, still do it. But I-, I don't know if that level of attention to detail, a lot of players have that these days. Now it's about hitting your threes and, getting your highlight real dunks and getting your shit up on Instagram and not uh, like putting in those, that the little nitty gritty stuff that won't get you noticed on highlight reels. Like Colby really did that. You hit the nail on the head because at first you're right. He was reserved when he came in the league and that was kind of the norm, you know? And I think he was one of the first players to really open up and start showing his process, especially once he got like um, a little bit more comfortable in his own skin, because 
he had such an untraditional upbringing, you know, Philadelphia, son of an NBA player, Italy, back to Philadelphia, basically a child star, you know, at 17 years old, you're still not really an adult. And so you're right that <laughs> he's, I mean, I'm, I love Kobe, but he was a weirdo, you know, who reads the referee's handbook? Like, that's crazy. And like, he would, and I think he wrote this one Players Tribune article one time about how he just stalked Allen Iverson. He was furious his rookie year that Allen Iverson was in Philadelphia, his hometown, doing a big crossing MJ, had his own signature sneaker of the Reebok, rookie of the year. And um, Kobe was such a weirdo, and we love it for him. And that's why you don't get to that level without being off mentally. You just don't get there. And uh, you're right. He um, he kind of flipped the switch. I think he got more comfortable in his own skin when he uh, started um, – uh, I guess hit, hit about 30, won some championships without Shaq. That's a good point. Yeah, and I, I'm going to be honest with you, Pat. I was a big Kobe hater Okay, from, from when he came to the league. And you know what? It, it wasn't – it was because – so I think teenage years into like early 20s, Kobe was very different from what he ended up being at, at the end of his career. But I think I think the the work ethic was – probably always something that was was just in him. And one of the big reasons that I didn't like him is because just to com- compare him and bring it back to Toronto, it's we had Vince Carter just around that era, like the early Kobe years. And to see what Vince Carter was and could have been if there was that one that it's it's that missing thing, just that 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 Mamba mentality. It, if that was built into him, I think it could have been so much more. And just to see Kobe, I'm, I'm always the type of person, and I'll throw this out there as well, because I know I saw some pictures of you in some MJ gear. I was an MJ hater too. And I've said it before on this Dang. podcast. Yeah. Yeah. It, so I was a heat fan when I was a kid. Um, oh, oh Miami. Yeah. And, and we ran into the, into the bulls. Like we're eight seed, you know, we'd run into the bulls and MJ would kill us. Yeah. I just have a, I have a thing for hating the top guy. MJ was the top guy. Kobe, top guy. So now you're a Lakers fan too. LeBron, top guy. <laughs> also, <laughs> but but there's there's I think for a lot of fans, like as he as he got older, there was there was just that respect that started to grow um, for him, and just just because of the way he went about things. Like you guys said, like reading a referee's manual, that's something that nobody would think about. But like you after when you hear it, it just makes so much sense. You're right. That's that's such a good point. And that's hilarious that you went from being an MJ hater, Kobe, now LeBron. But no, I, I feel you. And, you know, it's interesting. He went from being so hated to at the end being kind of like a lovable old underdog, like at the All-Star game and stuff. You know, everybody was celebrating him. And it was it was really such a crazy transition that that last season was so Cool and bizarre at the same time. You know, you see him coming out and he had no legs left. He was just jacking up threes, you know, for the most part. And um, he would get the occasional dunk and people would go crazy. But, um, yeah, you're right. Uh, I think everybody warmed up to him at the end. He humanized himself more and everybody recognized him. All right, all right, you know, let's let's appreciate this amazing talent while he's still here. And I'm glad we were able to give him some of his flowers before he passed away. I found that Cole, where people re the transition was, I think, first of all, after he won those titles without Shaq, probably mm-hmm. relaxed him a little, let him open up. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, that's when uh, the decision happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even though the Celtics were kind of the first super team, big three, uh, that the super team, the sort of super team era really 
became popular when uh, LeBron, Wade, and Bosch came together in Miami. Everybody hated them. And then all of a sudden, we looked to a guy like Kobe who stayed there forever and tried to get it done, stayed in the late. Now, he did he did almost leave. There were a couple times. He was ready to leave. He had demanded a trade. He even considered going to the Clippers of all places. <clears throat> funny, and then, funny story, Jerry West actually told him, fine, you're going to leave. You don't go there and play for that owner. But anyway, so he did almost leave a few times, but he didn't. He stayed. He stayed. They won. And I think that level of people started seeing the K. Hey, wait, he's a high, he's a true competitor. And maybe LeBron and these other guys aren't at his level because they're all trying to come together to win rather than just figuring out on your own and bringing in supporting guys. I mean, Kobe had played with great players. I mean, after Shaq left, Kobe played with some great players, but never that true like superstar franchise player type guy. And that respect grew. And it's funny, people used to criticize Kobe for always wanting the last shot and shooting over double teams and all that. They criticize LeBron now for making the pass. Like, whoa, Kobe or MJ would have taken that shot no matter what. Like, so what do you want? (laughs) And Magic used to make that pass. LeBron does the same thing as Magic, but they criticize LeBron. So it's just funny how when you're a cop, you just get criticized no matter what you do. That's such a good point. I didn't think about the effect that the big three in Miami had on, you know, that did kind of lend some popularity and get some heat off Kobe. You know, that's a good point. I never never even thought about that, but that's a good point. And you're right. Like, I I love like the Christmas Day game. I think it was like 2011, 2012 when Kobe was playing against the Bulls. And it was like, he took a one on five. It's like, bro, please pass it. Like, Pau Pau Gasol's over there. And now LeBron's catching heat. And full disclaimer, I was a LeBron hater until he uh, became a Laker. But yeah, man, you just, um, they're different guys. And, you know, uh, GOAT conversation aside, like, they, they have different styles and, you know, Kobe's not going to be MJ. LeBron's not going to be Kobe, you know, just respect gracious greatness and stop hating and just start appreciating. So since you mentioned that, that goat conversation, and I know this has been coming up recently, especially with LeBron getting what some people are saying is a, is a soft title, which I, I don't necessarily agree with, but I mean, you, you've yeah. had like connections to, to the three greats, um, like of the three, uh, if if you have that last shot, or if you're building a team a team around one of them, who are you picking? Kobe, LeBron, or MJ? Um, first, let's set LeBron aside. Let's let him finish his career because right now, if he continues on the track on the path he's at, he could definitely be the goat. Man, y'all really gonna make me say it? I, I think you can't. Comp- I think every generation has their own goat. There are different rules. There are different play styles. I forgot how incredible Michael Jordan was until the last dance. Cause yeah. I was around for like the last half of his career. I remember like the Sonics jazz, you know, 96, 97, 98 championships. I think, I think right now Jordan still got to be the goat. I'm going to put Kobe at a close number two. And then let's see where uh, LBJ's at when he finishes his career, he could easily be on top. I just want to see him finish his career before I make that judgment. Lay it on me. Go ahead. Hurt my feelings. What y'all's? Uh, I, I, I'm with you. Uh, I think George. I I believe that. So a couple. Of things. First of all, I don't believe that this LeBron's title was a soft title. I think winning it in the bubble in many ways was harder. One <laughs> aside, being like a lockdown, stuck in a hotel, or just you can't see your family. You can't. You have no freedom to go around, to go out, or 
you have a bad game and you don't have anywhere to go to sort of decompress and get away from it. It became harder. It became more mentally taxing. So for that, and we saw part of the reason the Clippers blew it is because those guys didn't want to be there in the first place. So I think this title is as legitimate as every other one he won. Uh, LeBron, that is. And everyone had uh, the equal chance, right? It's not as if you put him in that particular spot and you just run. Like, every team in the bubble had to go through whatever. So whoever had ended up, you know, it was the Lakers at the end, but whoever had won, like, you probably they would have faced the same questions, but it's a soft title. So I, I really don't agree with that. Yeah, I, would still, yep. I would still put MJ over Kobe. I think that if you just look at the numbers, MJ was a little more efficient. Mm-hmm. Uh, with some of those numbers, and MJ was first to sort of be that guy, and Kobe copied the move, so you have to go with the originator. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, to be honest with you, either of the three, if you're grabbing any of the three, any NBA franchise is is going to be well ahead of anybody else. So, like, you can't go, you can't really go wrong with either of the three. But yeah, for me, it's MJ, Kobe, LeBron, and and I mean, Le- LeBron, Kobe, I, I think. I, I might, you know, depending on where that career ends up for LeBron, I think maybe he, he, he might pass Kobe. But honestly, like, you're splitting hairs. You're, you're not going wrong either way. That's fair. All right, as, Asim, you're quiet over there. Who's your top three? I think you've got to go with MJ. Um, so I've appreciated uh, LeBron probably more than Kobe uh, over the last little while. But, again, yeah, it's it's really splitting hair, right? Like, what are you looking for? Um I'm just going to go with LeBron just because I enjoy watching him more. But, uh, yeah, yeah, there's no wrong answer here. But num- yeah, your goal guy would always be MJ. And then LeBron, it's tough. I mean, I I could. I mean, I, I think he will end up being ahead of Kobe when all is said and done. I mean, I think just look at the fact that he's in year 17. He was second in MVP voting. Like, the minutes the guy's put on over the years. He hasn't had any major injuries. The longevity... Like, that's why I think that people, like, always, when they talk about the GOAT and all that, they Kareem Abdul-Jabbar gets ignored. A guy who won five, was a defensive monster, all-time leading scorer, and played into his 40s at a high level. So I think that longevity matters. And LeBron, if he wants to, I think he can get to 40 at a high level. So I would put that – that's why I would put him ahead of Kobe for that – in that regard, that just because – I mean, he's a beast. It could, he's a That's totally fair. Hey, I got to ask y'all. Y'all from Toronto. What was y'all's reaction to the 81-point game back back in 2006? <laughs> okay, so <laughs> I, I still remember watching it. Uh, I was sitting with my brother. Uh, like, I, I can't remember what he had at the half, but we're just looking at each other. We're like, is this for real? Like, how, how is this even happening? And then... I think I think we turned it off somewhere in the third quarter because like this is this is garbage. Like the game was probably still close if I remember correctly. Um, but like just just the way he was going off, like it was frustrating to watch. And then we came back like ten minutes later because we're those type of people. We're like, no, 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 we, we we can't we can't miss this and miss history. But like it was for me being such a big Raptors fan, and at that point I, I wasn't I wasn't a big Kobe fan. But for me it was it was it was frustrating. It was it was it was really maddening. Yeah. I didn't really have a reaction in the But here's the thing, the Raptors actually had the lead in the fourth quarter. Yeah. So what's crazy is that had the Raptors won that game, the narrative would have been Kobe's being selfish. Yeah. He took all the shots for himself. Mm-hmm. So when it was done, I was kind of like, "Oh, we blew it." It was more like 
holy shit, he got 81 points, but <laughs> oh, we blew this game. But the Raptors were terrible at that time anyway. Yeah, so like, yeah. that was like, they were uh, clearly in tank mode then. So I, I didn't really have that reaction. But then the media started making a big deal. Kobe got 81, Kobe dropped 81. And over the years, it's just that the legend of that game fully grew. It really grew and became... I think a lo- it feels a lot bigger than it really was in the moment because it's not like he just destroyed the team. Like, Raptor, again, Raptors almost won that game. No. So had the Raptors won, it would have had a completely different narrative. But now I look back, I'm like, holy shit, we gave up 81 points. But, I mean, we were terrible back then anyway. So, I mean, it yeah. is what it is. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's, that's interesting because uh, I, I didn't watch the game live, and that's because I was working back then, and Pramit remembers from our time we used to work uh, you know, we had an interesting role back then. Um, and uh, for me, before it, that, actually, this was in our university days. Yeah. Well, you 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 hadn't started back then. No, I hadn't started back. Okay, then. so you I was still that. working. So, so but oh. you know when I was working. So, I mean, I was in that late shift, and I was just refreshing my browser every now and then just to, for the updates, right? Uh, and uh, so the focus for me was always, um, you know, what the tally is and like the score going back and forth. So I really didn't pay attention to 81 points at that moment. And it it really didn't hit me until the next day when everyone started talking about it. Because, I mean, not watching the game, like I was just, uh, you know, worried about what the score was at that point. And, and then once, you know, once you go past that, I was like, yeah, oh, shit, it was 81 points that he put up. <laughs> like... I think Jalen. But it wasn't a surprise either. I mean, like knowing the Raptors back then. So yeah, yeah, they weren't who they are now, man. But I think Jalen Rose and Chris Bosh and them get such an unfair rap. Like they just went up against the monster that night. You know, it happens. And if you play basketball, you're going to get dunked on. You're going to get crossed over. Sometimes somebody might drop eighty-one on you. You know, so it just happens. <laughs> not not very often, though. Not often, but it could. It, it may happen once in a lifetime. It was it was one of those things where it was like if it was gonna ha- in that era of the Raptors if it was gonna happen to anybody it was gonna happen to the Raptors like that's that's how it felt and I like I honestly don't think I appreciated it because and, and I've said this before about Jordan and probably LeBron too um, like you don't appreciate some of these things until way later and and Prime, you kind of alluded to that that like it, it felt bigger as the years went on um, and and like I kind of wish that I had sit back and enjoyed it a little bit more but I'm just one of those people where I'm I'm so hardcore about my team that like if somebody's dropping 81 on me like I'm no, I'm not going to be happy. Of course not. <laughs> what did you feel like when you when you saw that? I, I didn't watch it live. Um, it was a regional game, so you know it wasn't picked up out right, right. And this was again before you wake up and check your. You know there were no iPhones, so you didn't check your phone in the first thing in the morning. We weren't addicted to technology, so like I wake up. It's the one morning somehow I didn't watch Sports Center. So I, I get to school first block. Everybody's saying 81, 81. I was like, what? No, no, this can't be real. And then finally they're like, yeah, bro. Like they're pulling up on the, the desktop in our classroom, like 81 points. And I was like, <laughs> you know, one thing I find on. interesting about these things among people is uh, you know how quickly people start just talking about, yeah, but he's no Jordan. Like, you know, you, you don't appreciate the game for it. So, like, I remember the next day, you, you know, you're out uh, standing in your breaks and you're talking to uh, guys at work and yeah, he's no Jordan. Like, like that's the first question. Or maybe because, you know, we were all Raptors fans and it kind of hit us. Um, so yeah. it was interesting that no one talked. The actual game was like, yeah, but he's no Jordan, right? So, so. Yeah, just, just some haters. So, you know, it's so weird. Y'all appreciate this. I was in Atlanta on Martin Luther King Day 
the Hawks were hosting the Raptors this past year and Norman Powell went off for like 30 points. And in the moment I was like, dude, this guy's unstoppable. And there's a 30 point game. Like I couldn't imagine an 81 point game. Cause like even the Hawks fans are like, man, Norman Powell's going off right now. And uh, I walked past their locker room after and like, they were just hooping and hollering and going crazy. I was like, man, I couldn't imagine like a 60 point game or something. If you know what they, everybody'd be acting like. Well, yeah, and and I remember it kind of with uh, w- with when we had Vince. Like, it was when he would score twenty five and a half. Like, it felt like everything was going in, uh, and like you know, sometimes he'd get to fifty, and, and it felt like it was really easy for him to get there. So, like w- with an eighty point game, it's just like the, the amount of things that have to go right, the amount of shots that you have to get up. Like, even thinking back to Will Chamberlain scoring hundred, I, I know, like I know completely different era, but like the, the things that you have to do to get that many shots and to, to have that kind of game, it's, it's, it's just insane. You brought up Vince Carter earlier and I glossed over it, man, Vince Carter and Tracy McGrady, both of them at the beginning stages, there wasn't a big difference between Kobe and Vince and T-Mac. Like they're and AI, they're all on the same level. Mm-hmm. And funny, funnily enough, Kobe came out years later and said that Vince and Tracy stayed together. We would have played them in the finals. Eventually, Lakers, Raptors would have been in the finals in the early 2000s. Maybe if Vince Carter has, I hate to like question somebody's work ethic, but you know, he wasn't far off. T Mac, if he stays healthy, like they're in. Don't get Ron started on that. Don't get Ron going on Vince. Pat, you're, 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 you're singing my song right now. Like, I've been saying this and we like Pram and I have gone back and forth on this forever. Like that's the big thing about Vince. It was, it was the work ethic. Like he's, he's come out and said it. People have have defended it. Like in, I've been reading we the North and like in that book, the the author like defends Vince because, because they're friends. So I, I get it. Like, and I'm sure like Vince got a little bit of a bad rap here. Uh, It wasn't all his fault, but man, like had he put in 10%, 20% more work, what could have been um it's, I, I hate to think about it and just just hearing the name just oh man yeah. um he had such an acrimonious breakup too man like it was, wasn't you know uh, always easy between toronto and vince carter it was toxic uh, uh i haven't read we the uh, like is yet. it still kind of mixed up there uh for the most yeah, part it's, it's still kind of mixed up i i was at the uh Hawks Raptor game. This was actually the first Raptors game in Toronto after Kobe's death. Oh wow! So they did the Kobe uh, tribute at the beginning yeah. of the game. Vince comes into the game off the bench. He gets a standing ovation. Nice. That same night, Kyle Lowry uh, became the all-time assist leader for the Raptors. So Dope. Kyle gets a standing ovation, and Vince, who is out of the game at that point, gets up, walks over to the Raptor bench, and congratulated Lowry. And so, for the most part the he's being forgiven um i think with over time what happened in the moment they hated him he got heat like no tomorrow but then as the team continued to suck and suck and suck before the team got sold and then they bring in Nasai and turn it up but i think fans started realizing wait this place is just bad <laughs> like these guys just are terrible no, no matter what uh yeah vince quit on them but hey i mean i think we've all had time to we're working with a bad employer or a bad company we're just thinking why are we here yeah and even the front office back then like babcock right like it just wasn't a very competent front office to begin with like like it there were issues all around hoffa we had drafted we had the eight seventh overall pick and they drafted hoffa oh (laughs) 
Who who did they pass on? I don't remember. Igudala. Igudala was taken next. Man, that's that's, that's the big one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we we had some a lot of bad drafts. We had some really bad drafts, like bad drafts. Raptors bad drafts. We can have a good episode on that. You know, there was a time um, in like the late two thousands. I feel like were y'all competitive, and y'all had like the most European team ever. It was like the United Nations. <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was by design. Well, that was like Brian Colangelo's whole thing, bringing oh. Europe. I mean, the Spurs had a lot of international players as well, but I found that the Spurs found like really, really good ones. Okay, and we had guys that were we were overpaying guys like who are the Linus Kleza, and we were bringing in guys that just weren't good. Yeah. But like, oh, you know, we're going to play this like Euro ball because at that time, that's when like Steve Nash really was popular like, with the the Sun system. Moved the ball a lot. A lot of those concepts were taken out of Europe, and they tried to bring it here, and but they didn't have enough skill. But it was you had Andrea Bargnani who just didn't care. Like so. It was it was more than that though, right? Like in, in that in that era, it was like I, I see like I'm I'm still I, I love I love Colangelo. Like I so Pat, I, I worked for the Raptors during that era from like the end of the Vince Carter era up until like two thousand nine, where I actually got, as you said, a big boy job. Um so like I remember what was going on. I remember a lot of the talk around the organization and it was just like it was hard to attract anybody to come here. Like there was a whole like misconceptions about how hard it was to cross the border and to get back into the country when you're coming from a road trip. And like so it, it was a concerted effort to try to bring in euros who would who would actually want to be here rather than somebody from from the US who, you know, kind of looked at being in Toronto as like, you know, being banished to Siberia. Yeah, and I remember Colangelo's interview around that time. He said, you know, it, it's hard to convince a kid from Kentucky to come over where you can't even watch ESPN on a day-to-day basis and stuff like that. So th- there was a whole lot of stuff that was going on. So, But I you think know, just, it, I changed that tune. Like, first of all, you can get ESPN if you want it. <laughs> Second of all, uh, I mean, these guys can afford to pay for it. So it's not a big deal. Exactly. Yep. And Kyle Lock, the taxes, well, it's funny that the tax situation, yeah, I think, I mean, the taxes between... Ontario versus like a California or New York aren't that different. But Kyle Lowry brought up a good point, actually. You're being paid in US dollars, but you're spending Canadian dollars and the Canadian dollar is lower. So yeah, like there is that the tax situation, but there are enough strategies in place to minimize that. And you could still have a lower overall cost of living, like buying a really nice place for a couple of million in Toronto, which may be Four million in LA or four million plus in New York and Toronto. Maybe you could save a million dollars on a place. So there are some benefit. There are benefits to it. I do think the Drake factor has helped. I was about to say it. Yep. Drake in the weekend. Like now, Toronto is the place everybody wants to be. Yeah. Have you been, Pat? Have you ever been to Toronto? Sadly, no. I want to like post like once the pandemic's over. Like I for real want to go to Toronto because, like you said, like it was like this conception, like misconception that like y'all are Vancouver or something, and y'all are just like way out in the middle of nowhere. And uh, you know, now it's just like man, like Toronto's popping. Like what were we thinking this whole time? Like you know, I, I don't see why it's not a free agent destination. I think you kind of learn that once you have a good team, like a lot of those narratives fall by the wayside, right? Like when you have like you've been able to attract players now you won a championship you know you see other um sports franchises doing better as well so it, it's a little bit easier i think you you like all those narratives get built up uh, as you know somewhat 
some of it partly true, but some of it is a lot of justification for all the failures you've had over the years as well. I think. And I was reading about how agents are now, especially guys that are looking to rebuild their values, are value are directing their guys to Toronto. Mm-hmm. Like somebody like a Rondé Hollis Jefferson uh, signs a one-year deal because of the strong player development system that they would have. Like they could make him look really, really good. So, and so then that will then he could go back out into the market again, make more money. And other players are thinking, hey, I could go spend a year there. It's a big, in the mentality could be almost like going overseas almost, but you're still in the league. But spend a year there. They got an incredible player coaching staff, player development system. They will get val- They will put me in a position to look good. And then I can, whether they pay me, if they pay me, great. If not, I can uh, make my money somewhere else. And it was worthwhile. So we're starting, I'd be, when free agency opens, I wonder, because the Raptors have some decisions to make. So I wonder if they're going to pick up sort of scrap heap guys and rebuild them for a year and then uh, set them free elsewhere. Well, you are. Yeah. I mean, I think y'all really got a lot going on. I could see free agents wanting to go there. And since we're having a full blown Raptors conversation, can we talk about Serge Ibaka and OG Ananobi and the show they had, the fashion show? The scarves? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scarves. (laughs) <laughs> what about scarves those those guys man like it, it's funny seeing seeing og kind of like in that because like from when he came into the league he was such a like he was he was the worst interview and this the, the best interview at the same time just because of how like his face would not change his answers were very plain jane but like it was and to see him actually show a little bit of a uh, little bit of personality in that it was it was awesome that was so funny. I, that was like my favorite thing for like three weeks. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm a forever OG and Anobi fan since then. Oh yeah. His day, his payday is coming too a year away. Definitely. So uh, Pat, I, w- I want to bring it back to the book a little bit and, and just talk about, about Kobe sneakers in general. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, you, you mentioned earlier that, you know, it, it's always been like, you know, the MJ sneakers have always been, have always been the big thing, but you know, lately over the past few years, I think the, the, like the Kobe line, especially with, uh, with Mikey now doing the, like the pro tros and, you know, like what is it about the Kobe line? That's kind of like made them so popular with, with people. You know, that's a great question because it doesn't have the crossover appeal that for casual use that Jordans do. And like, it's hard, you know, to pull off Kobe's when you're just walking around or going out on a date or something. So I guess, you know, they were always like on pushing the envelope on technology and, um, you know, always, you know, had the newest research and design they're implementing. And I don't know, I just think it's something like you lace them up, you just feel different, man. You just feel like you're a problem on the court. And like, I write about this in the book in the first few pages, like, I just feel like a different guy when I'm wearing Kobe's. Like, I feel tougher, meaner, like I'm ready to like scream at my teammates. I'm ready to put up some like crazy shots. I don't know why it is, but they look awesome on court. And the technology is even better than the way they look. So that's my guess, but somebody smarter than me would have to figure it out. So w- while writing this book, I'm, I'm, you know, you've taken a lot of detailed account. Was there any moment where you're like, hmm, like, I didn't know that, like something that was glaringly surprising to you. And then you're like, yeah, that's interesting. Like, I- I'm just curious about the whole process, how you went through, right? So, yeah, there um two of the most interesting interviews came from, um, Rudy Garcedonis, he was the former Lakers equipment manager. He was there from Magic Johnson till 2011. And he shared some really interesting stories about, again, Kobe's constantly pushing for more, whether it's like the Nike marketing team, 
Nike design team or even the equipment manager. He wants to wear certain things on court, which at the time, like you got to wear team colors, you know, you got to do this constantly pushing. So th- those were stories were funny. And then the second and one of the, uh, my favorite interviews was the former Lakers strength and conditioning coach, Tim DeFrancesco. And again, constantly pushing him for more, for more. And DeFrancesco was there during the most difficult part of his time from like 20 for, of his career from like 2011 to retirement. So he was there with him through the Achilles and everything. And uh, DeFrancesco uh, shared a pretty interesting story about Kobe's global popularity about basically how they're going through. Uh, I think they're in England for some preseason games and fans are walled off on the side of the street. The car goes through and they just collapse behind them and, you know, just, unfathomable the level of popularity Kobe had, you know, globally. And then also uh, DeFrancesco was talking about that final season, how um, uh, the players were starting to figure out, hey, I need to get some stuff signed. And it started in um, a couple games after he had announced his retirement. And Robert Sacre was the first player to try to start getting some shoes signed or start getting something like a sweatband or something he wore. So Rudy G, the equipment manager, and Tim DeFrancesco, the strength and conditioning coach were two of my favorite interviews. Like they, they um, enlightened me to a lot of things I didn't know. Did, did the pandemic make it easier or, or harder to write this book? Do you think? A little bit of both easier. Cause I was, can I cuss? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah, hell I, yeah. I, yeah I, I was fucking fired, you know, from my day <laughs> job. So I had all the time in the world, but, and then the same, but the same time is Mentally, you know, I'm a hypochondriac and, you know, I'm freaking out and like testing in America is slow, but, you know, the cases are soaring and I'm super freaked out about that. And I was crazy stressed, but at the same time, I had nothing but time on my hands. So a little bit of both easier and harder at the same time. Yeah, because I, I imagine it might be easier, like in, in terms of getting some interviews, because people are probably home. Yeah, yeah. So there, there might be more receptive to doing it. That's a good point. People were, you know, at home and it was, I think people are more open to like email interviews and zoom calls and that sort of thing. I think if it had been business as usual, uh-oh, we lost this on. Um, <laughs> he didn't like the, he didn't like the, the zoom chat, the, the zoom. No, 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 no. My yeah, life. Yeah. I think if it had been business as usual, I think people would have been um, just, you know, a little bit too, you know, um, They've been busy doing their own things, living their own lives. So that's a good point. I think people were had more free time as well. Do you have a a, a specific a specific Kobe shoe that that's your favorite? Like I so I, I looked through your profile. I know I saw some fire red uh, Jordan threes that you were wearing. I think I saw some uh, some Kobe elevens. Mm-hmm. Uh, are, are the elevens your your favorite? Because I think I saw them a couple of times. The elevens are always going to hold a special place in my heart. I was late arriving to being a sneakerhead, so I love the Kobe elevens. Like those are really what got me into it. Um, the Kobe six for me is like, I'm really excited about that. They're going to be pro troing that soon. And then like the Kobe nine elite, the high top, man, like I, I remember that. seeing that on the early days of Instagram. Like I remember being like, Whoa, like what's he doing now? This guy's crazy. Yeah. So Kobe six, Kobe nine elite. What about y'all? Y'all got some? Uh, so I've, I've owned two pairs. So the, the, the second pair of, uh, which was, I think the first actual Kobe's the KB eights, right. uh, I owned those when I was a kid and actually it wasn't even like, I didn't buy them. Cause like you, like I didn't, I didn't have money for sneakers. I like maybe a couple of times my parents bought me some, some really nice sneakers, but those ones, a friend gave them to me. They were, uh, I think size 12s. I'm mm-hmm. a nine and a half or a 10. I'm like, 
I don't care. I'm wearing these. They felt because they still felt good. Um, my favorite though, and only because it was it was the first pair of Kobe's that I actually bought, and it's the last one I actually own. Because like you said, they 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 don't have the crossover appeal, so I couldn't wear them out and wear them on the court. So I I usually needed shoes for both. Mm -hmm. So the first pair of actual just ball shoes that I bought were the second Kobe's with, uh, with Nike. So he, I think they were the ones with the strap. They, they were like the Kobe two. Well, yeah, it, it was a Kobe two. Yeah. 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 The Kobe two. And he also had some hyper, some hyper dunks and some two K fours with straps, yeah. but I'm thinking probably the Kobe two. It was, and, yeah, they, I, it just, the, the, the ankle support on them was just yeah. insane. And I have weak ankles. I've, I've sprained my ankle like 40, 50 times. Mm-hmm. So th- those ones are probably my favorite only because they look bulky. They, they looked heavy, but they played a lot different. Like, like you said, like it, it just changes your mentality on the court. Yeah. That's awesome. So I'm actually, I don't own a pair of Kobe's. I own some, uh, MJ's, nice. um, my, I have some issues with my feet. So I'm very sensitive about what, uh, shoes I buy, but the one pair I'm looking at, especially because they're on sale in some places right now are the Mamba Furies. Nice. Very cool. Those look to be, those look to have that crossover appeal of other, if you're going to work out in them, play in them, or just walk down the street. Yeah. And yeah, so that's kind of, that, that is definitely what the one pair I want to get. Uh, that could be a black Friday uh, purchase for myself. Cause I do, I need to give the Kobe's a try. Uh, see, I was very, uh, when he died, I was feeling very nostalgic and was shopping online. Everything was sold on. Am I going to overpay? Am I going to overpay? Yeah. Am I going to go resell? I'm like, no, 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 I'll wait. I'll, I'll, I'll wait it out. And then maybe uh, that'll be a Black Friday uh, purchase. I think that's a sound investment. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've ever, no, well, not I don't think. I've never owned a, a pair of sneakers. I'm, I'm not a sneakerhead uh, personally. Uh, but uh, listening to you all talk about it, I think uh, I'm kind of feeling it. Maybe, maybe Black Friday first time. I think, so. I think that's the idea. Like Pat, like you said, man, it, it's one of those things where where you you buy them, you buy one pair, and like I, I went off earlier this year and I started buying a couple, and I it, like I bought I think five or six pairs of sneakers within like a three month span or something. It's 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 dangerous. It's it's real dangerous, but. Kobe's like I, I'll probably eventually get myself a pair of Kobe's. Like I, I, I was looking at the Kobe fives when they protrode those, and I, was, and I was thinking about it, but I wasn't sold on them just because some of the colorways. Colorways for me are, are the big thing, mm-hmm. um, but I, I think Kobe Elevens are probably probably something I get. Um, like w- one thing that I loved is when Demar was here, and yeah, even wow. with the Spurs, like Demar's Kobe sneaker game was mm-hmm. was was tight. Uh, always cool. had a nice pair. Always. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, so I, actually, another thing that I want to ask about Kobe sneakers, sneakers specifically, were the last two pairs that he had with Adidas. Okay, uh, thoughts on those? All right, so they they were basically the straw that broke the camel's back. There were a couple different issues. Um, one, as uh, it was detailed in one of Kobe's biographies by Roland Lazenby, like um, it was hard to make, it was stiff. And then uh, two, Vanessa was cooling off on Adidas. She wasn't a fan of the company. And three, Joe Jellybean Bryant was no longer an employee of Adidas. He was no longer getting money. So all those fact things kind of factored in. And Kobe was just so unhappy with that. It's weird. Like 
I think they're kind of cool, but at the same time, they're kind of ugly. And then they still look futuristic. They came out 20 years ago and they still look like something from the future for 20 years. So that's pretty cool. That's got to count for something. What are y'all's thoughts? Ooh, uh, okay. So I don't know if you guys have had a chance to see these Osmond and, and Primate. Uh, Primate, you, you yeah, probably the, remember you them a little do, bit. Yeah, the uh, Kobe 2s. They look like the Roadster, the Audi Roadster. Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. So two, to me, they... They they kind of get yeah they're super ugly. I hated them when they came out when I was a kid. I, I didn't understand. I, some people had them, and I'm like, what yeah. do you like? What you spent money on those? <laughs> they kind of give me like a, a shoe right now that's kind of similar. Uh, it is the the Yeezy foams yeah. where they sold like crazy. They look like a mess, but like for whatever reason, people like them. Yeah, it looks like they look like to me that somebody forgot like the shoes were covered up in a bit, and people forgot to take the bag off. <laughs> That's, fair. that's what they look like to me. And they're like, oh my God. But that's that's the 90. There was some crazy stuff. I remember Reebok at that time was coming out with them crazy um these really big clunky shoes. I think mm-hmm. that was that was the style back then. Yeah, so the shacks. The shacks yeah, were the shacks and the camps were all clunky. Yeah, but and shack, but the shacks needed to be. I mean, big dude, yeah, you big man. Those yeah, big yeah. Heavy shoes there. No, absolutely. Kobe was yeah, no, Kobe was at the end of his Adidas contract, and he they were planning the Kobe 3 with Adidas, and he had a meeting in Germany, and I believe the is my interpretation of it, Adidas was expecting, you know, a nice meeting. They laid out not only a sneaker line for the future, but a clothing line for the future, and Kobe arrived in Germany and was having none of it, like, was totally cold, like, um, just um, didn't want to be there, you could tell. And uh, and that's what led to sneaker free agency, which everybody you know loves too. So he changed the course of sneaker history like a couple times. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, like I, I'm I'm glad he made that move because I remember as a kid once he made the move over to Nike. I remember it was it was a big deal. It was it was a huge deal. It's like Kobe's Kobe's going to Nike, and I, I was I've always been a Nike guy. Yeah. Um, for a while, Reebok just because of AI. I was a big AI fan as a kid, and the the questions were those are my favorite all time shoes uh are are kobe's your favorite all-time shoe or do, or do you put do you still put jays ahead of those oh no kobe's are always going to be my favorite even like i can't pull them off casually at all like it's tough already for a white guy out here to look fashionable at all and wearing some kobe's like really makes it tough but i don't care like it just um it, it's in my heart you know i love them so one last question. I, I i i we've been going for a while i don't want to keep you for too long and we, we i got to get back to my kids eventually but um I saw a picture of you. I think it was your senior year, uh, basketball in your basketball gear. Uh, okay. You you weren't wearing Kobe's. Did you ever ball in Kobe's in 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 high school? Sadly, no, man. Those were just some team shoes. Yeah, but they yeah, looked yeah. kind of like the Kobe too because they came out around that same time. They had the strap and everything. Man, that picture that. <laughs> Don't don't go back and look at that picture. That no, was, no, no, it was, it was it was a good one actually. Like so, it it led me to think: what, what were your averages in your senior year? Um, well, I missed my senior year. I had shoulder surgery because I dislocated oh, my shoulder five times uh, in high school. So it just kept popping out till finally they had to fix it. And then um, I was a European like three point shooter before it was cool. Like at the time they kept being like, you're six, five, go down low, go down low. I was like, fuck that, man. If you're six, five, you know, you're a shooting guard in the NBA. So I kept trying to like pop out and shoot threes. And these small-minded redneck Republicans weren't having it, so I was fucking buried on the bench. Oh, so so, so you you were Barnyani before uh, before Barnyani was Barnyani. Oh, Barnyani was way more physical than I was. I didn't want. I'm <laughs> I've never heard anybody ever say that 
ever. I'm not rebounding. I'm not playing defense. I'm going to go stand over here. You give it to me. I'm going to just try to pop. You're like Kyle, you're uh, Kyle Corver. Yeah, I'm like yeah. We will say Kyle Corver just to be nice. Like whoever's like the least physical like gunner in the world. Like yeah, I'll go. I'm like Kyle Corver has his moments where he'll. Did you dive on the vault on the floor for the ball? Yeah, and that's why I just okay. okay so Corver did like does that a lot. Yeah, yeah, that's where that's where it started. There you go. I, I was going to say Novak, but I I, I like the Corver uh, the Corver comparison. Yeah, but nobody knows Novak except for like us. Because <laughs> he was yeah. the guy we got in the Barnyani trade, one of the guys along with the pick. Send me, send me your most European, most finesseful, no contact player. Like that's me, and that didn't really job. <laughs> funny is that a lot of these Europe there is that misconception that they don't aren't physical, and that's not right. They can't. Like slow, I mean, Goran Dragic talks about like I grew up in Slovenia. That playing there is pretty crazy. Shaq actually tells a story about how when they were in Phoenix, and Shaq's like, "There's two guys that I was able to haze, and they were having none of it because they, and I couldn't break them. Kobe and Goran." Wow, <laughs> and that's a good point. And even Van Gundy, Jeff Van Gundy, said in a pod, he's like, "Dude, like international basketball is way more physical than the NBA," and that's such a shitty stereotype, which I'm playing into. But you, you know the stereotype. But basically, yeah, I mean, like that's why they're sending grown ass men over here, like Luka Doncic, who are just balling up. You know, uh, American players. So you're right, European. It's um, I shouldn't shit on them, but the old stereotype. Then yeah, that was me. I think yeah, I think it's changed. I think. I, I think a lot, we in Toronto have that stereotype because of those late Colangelo years. Like they were, mm. they were getting a, like we talked about earlier. They were getting Europeans, just not very good ones. Mm. So rather than just thinking, okay, these guys aren't skilled enough, or like, oh, they're too soft. Yeah, or really, they just weren't good enough. <laughs> Maybe so. I, I, I was like a shitty Andre Karolinko. Oh, I, I loved AK forty seven. I loved AK forty seven. I loved him. Yeah. 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 So I misspoke earlier. So Azam, you can um I mean or Ron, you guys can edit out the edit out what I said earlier about the price of the book. Um in Canada it's, I, I think I was looking at the US Amazon site. So in Canada the paperback is 2624. The Kindle edition is 999. Still very reasonably priced. If you have an e-reader, 999 is very very reasonably priced. So uh, yeah. anybody if I I mean, anything, you want to give us more, the more we learn, straight. the more we're blown away by him, the more we're impressed by him. So uh, any Kobe story is a good story. Yeah. So uh, before we go, Pat, any any closing thoughts, anything you want? Uh, actually, plug, plug your book too. just just remind people uh, how they can get it. Uh, yeah, man. So uh, Kobe Bryant sneaker history, 1996 to 2020, written by Pat Benson. You can find it on Amazon. And other than that, man, I appreciate y'all having me on. This was so much fun. Like, I've been hitting up a few different podcasts, and this was without a doubt the most fun. And uh, man, I'm just a fan of y'all. And y'all got a y'all got a listener for life, and man, just keep doing what y'all are doing. Thanks, hey, man. And you ever want to come back? Uh, we have some uh, very loyal listeners in uh, well, most of our podcasts, I and mean, we obviously are listeners in Canada and uh, to an extent in the United States. But we have some loyal following in Ireland, Germany, UK, Singapore, and Denmark. So if you see a boost in Nike uh, sneaker sales, uh, you know, uh, we know who to thank, Pat. So, Oh, that's awesome. I appreciate it. Well, yeah, anytime y'all want to talk about like mid-2000s yeah. basketball, I'm down. Or maybe hey, when the season starts, you can come yeah. on. Uh, we can talk about the what's going on in the early parts of the, of the season. We now yeah, have some Hawks, too. 
Yeah, man, y'all just give me a shout. I appreciate it so much, and I appreciate this. And uh, like I said, y'all got a fan for life. Appreciate cool. it, Pat. Thank you very much for your time. And uh, so that's it for today. Uh, thanks again for listening to Boxing One. Um, as always, make sure you follow us on Instagram, Twitter, at Boxing One Pod. Uh, also, make sure you subscribe on uh, on YouTube if you're watching. Uh, and uh, subscribe on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, pretty much anywhere you listen. Uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, love the love the comments. Love the listening. Thank you very much, everybody. Thanks, Thank everyone. You. Wear your masks. Are we finished? Done.